2: Welcome to Toronto Basketball Matters Podcast 11. With me to my right is the return of Christian Graffin, the How's Twin it? Dragon Podcast. How's it going? And with me to my left, the 6'5", king of the beaches, the birthday boy, Steve Fleischer. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. Thanks for having me. So let's start it off, guys. Uh, tonight, tip-off, 9 o'clock, game one of the NBA Finals, Golden State Warriors, Cleveland Cavaliers. Who do you guys got? Grafen?
0: Oh boy, this is what we've all been waiting for isn't it so I've been I'm going with Golden State uh, they're my team I mean all year long I've said that Golden State is, uh, is is better than last year and obviously the addition of Durant over Harrison Barnes uh, is pretty much one of the main reasons why uh, I, I like how Cleveland is sort of switched their team up a little bit but Golden State I still think will win in six uh, overall. Um, again, I just think they 're too powerful offensively um, the, the The rebounding advantage that I think Cleveland will have down low with Tristan Thompson will sort of be negated by the, the three ball. And I think that one of the reasons or one of the ways to beat LeBron James is to really get in his head. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to go on one of those runs that Golden State always does. When they go on like a 10 or 12 or 14-point swing, it's one of those things where I don't think Cleveland can really come back from. So I can see game one especially that it's going to be in Golden State um, I could see them taking the first two games, and just right there alone, that gets uh, to sort of the LeBron. As long as last year, because last year was Draymond Green getting injured, is one of the main reasons as to why Golden State ended up losing that. So as long as they stay healthy throughout, and Draymond can remain guarding LeBron, I think they're going to win in six.
2: No, I'm completely with you, man. Yeah, uh, you, know, you, you said something pretty interesting there, and I. I... You know, if Cleveland is having lapses defensively against teams like the Boston Celtics, the Toronto Raptors, et cetera, what are they going to do against the Golden State Warriors? They can't make any mistake whatsoever. It's a game of inches between these two teams. And I, I just don't think Cleveland, I think Cleveland's defense, defensive liabilities will be magnitude
1: tenfold in this matchup. What do you got, Steve? I mean, I got to go against you guys today. I know it's the unpopular take, but if you subscribe in basketball, that more often than not, the team with the best player on the court is going to win. I mean, LeBron James is the greatest player in the league right now, and I think it's tough to, be- to debate against that right now as well. Yes, they have to play defense 100%, and that is going to be the toughest part, but LeBron, this I think he's taking it to another level. I mean, when we talk about Cleveland can't let Golden State go on a run, I mean, LeBron has been doing things this year where you can see the teams that are playing against him, guys who can shoot. They've shot all season long. Mm-hmm. They step up wide open three. We saw it with Toronto. Clank. If I don't hit this shot, LeBron's going to run the court, slam it in our face, and now maybe even pull up and wet a three. It's I just think a, that's it.
2: I, You know what? That's a valid point. LeBron James, if you look at both these teams, is the best player on both organizations, respectively. But... He's gonna have Look, Draymond covering him though. But we've seen two completely different LeBron James' playoffs. The first LeBron James is the Toronto Raptors. LeBron James who had was incredibly efficient from the free throw line, and he had an incredible uh, shooting percentage from the three point line as well. You know, and he saw him against the Boston Celtics as well. Though you know, eleven points in a game, four fouls in the first half. You know. You're completely right. LeBron James is probably the only guy in the NBA who could single-handedly dominate this series based on just how great he is. But, Graffin, do you think we're seeing the peak LeBron James right now? Do you think he's coming in this matchup uh, at the highest efficiency possible? Yeah. And if, even if at the high efficiency, do you think he could be, take down the Golden State Warriors if LeBron is literally at his best?
0: See, and that's the key right there. Is I, I, I really don't think that... I do think that LeBron's at his peak right now, but I don't think it's going to matter. Um, Again, I'm giving them two games, and I think that's almost maybe being generous. I, I know a lot of people want to see this crazy seven-game series, but I think even if LeBron is playing at his peak, um, they get two. Um, beyond that, I, I don't see them actually doing anything. Again, like I'm just trying to think of who's guarding who here and, uh, and the matchups. And if you have Draymond on, on LeBron... It's going, to, it's going to be very hard for LeBron to do, I think, what he can do against a lot of other people. He might get a lot of fouls on him, too, when he's on defense. So it's going to be hard for him to play the kind of game he did. Like the East is so weak that he's had opponents right now that they've just easily, like, basically ran over. So I don't know if LeBron's going to be ready for that kind of high performance. At least Golden State got a little bit of what well, they got. San Antonio, they got some pretty good teams. At least the West is a little bit more challenging to go through.
1: I, yeah, sorry. I'm just going to cut in because I think valid points, but LeBron James at this point of his career, great players, greatest ever. I mean, they're looking for these types of challenges to cement their career. It's right? a great
2: point. You saw it last year in the finals. You know, he didn't have Kyrie Irving, he didn't have Kevin Love, and he kind of turned a corner. You know, based on that sort of you know opposition already off the bat starting the
1: series, right? I mean, and you just said it. Everyone's saying, Golden State, we've been anticipating all year the matchup, and now we get there and we're thinking these two powerhouses meet, but oh, maybe Cleveland's going to take them to six games if lucky. I mean, again, LeBron, he won two games on his own against this team. Yes, Golden State is better, but we've discussed it off air. I think personally that Cleveland is that much better as well. His supporting cast is much stronger than it was in the past. I mean, I think that Love has taken it to another level, at least as far as his career has been in Cleveland. Kyrie, amazing player. I mean, he didn't have these guys and won two games.
0: I mean, just I guess the way I see it is, I mean, the Cavs and Golden State faced each other twice this year already, and one of them was a blowout for Golden State, and the other one was a close win on Christmas Day by Cleveland. Um, and I think that's exactly how the series is going to go. It's either going to be when Cleveland wins, it's going to be a close game, and I think when Golden State wins, they're going to blow them out. It's going to be a complete blowout. So for me, I don't even know if the series will be, again, I just don't think it's going to be as exciting as everybody wants it to be, that, that seven games, and I think Cleveland with, with Durant added, as opposed to Barnes, is going to be so hard to stop offensively.
2: It better be a goddamn great matchup, because this league is so separated amongst, you know, just decent organizations that can compete for the championship if it's not good it's gonna be a shitty season yeah this entire like the regular season like you know like we're just playing grab ass essentially eighty two games throughout the season eventually leading up to this eventual matchup and it better be a great matchup so going into you know this being sort of a game of inches more or less or a matchup of inches rather who has the better supporting cast in your opinion you know you got We all obviously know the skilled players in both organizations, but who has the best secondary scoring, i.e. the
1: bench? Steve, who do you got, buddy? So now, counter to me wanting to say that I think Cleveland is at least going to push Golden State and make this a very competitive series, I think that Golden State does have the deeper bench. When we get down the line, I mean... What?
0: Deron Williams?
1: He's back. (laughs) The stud. No.
2: No, I'm, I'm with Steve on this one, man. Like, you... Goal, okay, on paper maybe cleveland has better like more enticing names off the bench but with goal, did it yeah, the Raptors. no but yeah, you're, you're right and like it's might be the kind of hypocritical to say this but golden state has guys who fit specific needs in certain situations in the game Cleveland has, a, like a keep in mind, Kyle Cora, Channing, Fire fantastic three-point shooters, but they do have their own limitations, especially defensively. And I think what Golden State has is guys who can walk on into the game and fill a specific need based on what's happening in the game. I think Cleveland has people who are kind of at the latter half of their career who are going to kind of come in and try to facilitate the offense and put a couple points on the board. But I think realistically, when it comes to filling a need, I like Golden State's bench
0: better. See, I think exa- what you said there, that... Cleveland's bench is kind of compromised of three-point shooters. I think that's a specialty because then you can kind of slot them in whenever they're not shooting well. For instance, if Channing Fry's not having a really great game, then for them it doesn't matter. They can rotate so that Kyle Korver can even replace Channing Frye in the lineup and they can just kind of work around that. And then you just kind of go off of who has the hot hand. So that's why I feel like Cleveland can always have that advantage, I think, off the the bench um, in in terms of that, even though I don't think it's going to matter at all in the series in the end.
1: Well, and I would say, yeah, they better because I think it's tough to argue that the starting five for Golden State is not better after you get through the three elite players on an NBA team. A starting five for Golden State outmatches the starting five for Cleveland.
0: Yeah, that's why they're going to win, right? (laughs) We all
1: agree. LeBron James.
2: (laughs) All righty, so rolling down the list right now. So, again, we're talking about a game of inches right now. Um, You know, we talked about the starting five. We talked about the bench. Coaching. Um, you know, on paper, obviously a mismatch for the Golden State Wars because they have Steve Kerr. Tyrone Liu, in my opinion, is one of the worst coaches in the NBA. <laughs> I digress. Steve Kerr, he's out for the finals, most likely. And he got probably one of the worst coaches in the NBA as well. And Mike Brown, I've heard Mike Brown is a fantastic guy, a very nice human being. But when it comes to strategy and just being a Dependable, decent, half decent coach. Mike Brown's not that. Um, what is the impact, Raffin, of Steve Kern not being on the bench for the Golden State Warriors? This is this kind of a cause for concern? You clearly have Golden State taking this matchup. Are there any? Like, do you have any concerns with Steve not representing that team? No. Being I, the bench
0: right I, I don't. And I think like Luke Walden was one example of how Golden State can sort of play without. It's not like Luke Walton's gone to the Lakers and they've done excellent. It's not like they, you know, they've they've even done well enough this season that you think, "Oh, the coach has made a difference." Like it do, it doesn't matter with this team. It's almost like Tyron Lue in this situation where you could put anybody in that position, I think and they'll, they'll still do well. I think that they learned the whole system off Steve Kerr, mm-hmm. sort of that, you know, the Princeton style offense and sort of swinging the ball a lot and passing it until you find an open shooter. The, the high screens and getting Curry open, basically. So they already have that down. They've been The core has been together for so long that they don't really need the coach to, to really come in. And I think Mike Brown is exactly what you sort of need. Like you said, he's sort of a, a player, rah-rah kind of a guy. Mm. If they're ever down, if they're ever in slumps, I'd rather have that than someone who's trying to over-strategize and trying to make these plays for players who just... Honestly, can player. shoot. Yeah, they can shoot, man. You don't. You don't need to coach these guys. Like they're they're already so good. So uh, I also like Mike Brown. So for me, uh, I think uh, it's not going to really. What matter. What do
2: you really. like about Mike Brown?
0: Well, I like. The, uh, first of all, I like anybody who is basically brought into the to a to a system and learned under Greg Popovich. I think anybody who gets yeah, to but
2: the sample size of him coaching in the NBA has clearly shown that he's not a. a even a half decent coach. No, I, I but I, he's I do one agree coach with, of the year. I do agree with so, you. I do, you, agree with you I do agree with you to a certain He, he, one coach of the year around the coattails of just having a star studded fucking organization. But I continue. So, no, I, I, I do agree with you to a certain degree. But I also think, I think we're devaluing Steve Curry, Steph Curry, ugh, Stephen Curry, Steve Curry's kind of, sort of mentorship and ability to sort of, you know, in the shittiest of situations, kind of get everyone as one unified whole. Um, You know, I I personally think Golden State's going to win this matchup, and I don't think it's going to be an issue with Steve Kerr, so I'd be hypocritical to say that, you know, the Golden State Warriors, you need Steve Kerr. you got the Cleveland Cavaliers on the other hand, though.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think direct to the question, and it sounds like we all agree on this, is that what do you think is the true value of an NBA coach these days? Um, is it X's and O's? Is it how much they can galvanize? Well, now the team? that there's so many
0: friggin' superstars on te- on teams, right? Like it's so hard to say that coaches really matter when it comes down to a finals like this.
1: Yeah, well, and to Cleveland's to the point of Cleveland. I mean, I think LeBron James is the coach of Cleveland, and Ty- Tyron's there as a mm-hmm. fan, really. So
2: yeah, what is the def- like? What is the value of a of a head coach in this generation of basketball? Like, let's say you took Greg Bobovich from San Antonio, and you. Put him as a head coach of Golden State Warriors. Graff, do you think the Golden State Warriors would be that much better, or do you think it would be the same sort of thing? The players would dictate the success, and the coach would have nothing to do with it.
0: And by better, do you mean yeah, do I think they could like sweep – the Cavaliers in the finals? Like, how much better could they be at this point?
2: Just player efficiency, just efficiency in the game, Um, just, you know, just uh, being able to not be fatigued at the end of the season, just all the measures involved of having a successful regular season, carrying the playoffs, winning championship.
0: I don't think they could possibly get too much better than they are now, but again, for sustainability, Mm -hmm. for the organization going forward. If you had Greg Popovich there for the next 10 years, and I think that you would sustain a good basketball team no matter what. So it's the culture thing. Was yeah, exactly. I so, think
1: that's a good point to cut in. I think that having a coach with that type of reputation on your team for several years, especially in a league driven by superstars and you're trying to recruit those stars to a particular market, maybe that's the true value of the coach, someone with a reputation who has given a team some longevity and consistency at the position and you can kind of almost add them to the team's brand Your favorite word, Brandon.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's, you know, like, you just, you want consistency. You know what I mean? That's what most teams kind of strive to attain is just year in, year out, just building off the same sort of pros from the year before, right? Yeah. So moving on a bit right now. So we're going to uh, switch more toward salary cap restraints and uh, fair competition in the league. (laughs) So uh, Kevin Durant this week sort of insinuated that he wouldn't throw it out the window taking a... uh, decreased market value contract uh, for services to be retained for the Golden State Warriors. Should the league step in? Like, is this unfair competition? If Kevin Durant can re-sign, let's say, $20 million for the Golden State Warriors, is this fair competition amongst the league, considering that, like
1: I mentioned before, Stern sort of stepped in and redacted the Chris Paul trade? Where do you stand on this? I mean, as we started off the top, if Golden State comes out and beats Cleveland quickly here I mean the debate whether it's good for the league is obvious It's that's not good we need this championship to be competitive or else players deciding where to go making these super teams there's zero parity if we mm-hmm. get to the championship and it's decided without even playing the final series yeah it's not
0: like other sports like, it's not like another sport where two players can make all the difference in the world right like you get two superstars who take 10 million less a year and then all of a sudden it's The team's a super team.
1: That being said, with the question, I mean, how do you put restraints on that if a player is willing to go into his own pocket out of competitiveness or chasing a ring? I mean, I think it's a difficult situation to be in as a league to control that, right? I'm just trying to figure out how, you know,
2: Golden State would insemble a roster. Like, let's say, you know, Kevin Durant's not taking $20 million a year. Let's say I think his player option is at 27. Let's say he grows down to 25, for example, okay? That's ridiculous money for Kevin Durant. The <laughs> service of Kevin Durant. So going to next season, you have Durant, you have Draymond Green, you have Clay Thompson taking about sixty-one point two million dollars. So they also have an additional what thirty million dollars say for Steph. You know what I mean? That goes up to eighty-nine. You have twelve million dollars. If the salary cap goes up to one hundred and one next year, which many people think will go up, you have twelve million dollars to fill out what twelve eight to 10 different positions on a team. Yeah. Like, there's going to be no supporting cast on that team, even if Cameron Durant elects to sign a low-market-value contract.
0: I mean, they have Curry out such a value contract right now, mm-hmm. and I have a feeling that he's going to want to be paid.
2: Yeah. He, took, mean, the, he took the, what, four-year, $44 million contract because apparently back in the day he had shaky ankles. Well, he did. Right.
0: And uh, he's made a lot of money in endorsements, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if they win this year, he's going to want to win. I, I, I can see him... I can see Golden State actually wanting to keep him around, and if Durant it depends on how much money Durant's willing to take.
2: Like, what does Steph Curry elects to take the max at thirty five forty? Let's say, what is that? What does Kevin Durant say in this situation? Would he want to kind of come back and play for that team and take like a twenty million dollar contract? Looking at Steph Curry, kind of, I wouldn't say being selfish, but you know, making his max potential earning
0: it would make Steph Curry the most loved player in the league cuz then he'd say fuck you to Durant basically mm. and Durant everybody Durant's the most hated player right now. Durant so would,
1: will go to Cleveland.
0: And then yeah, and then Durant <laughs> would go to Cleveland I don't I don't say, know, fuck man. you like, right back. Listen man, like I I
2: I'm, I just think Kevin Durant is one of those few guys in the NBA who kind of values you know, putting himself like, I'm not like, he's not the kind of guy, like, I just can't see him really kind of going back. Even if he went to a championship golden state and playing on the same team, I think he's the kind of guy that's always looking for that next logical step. Like that next sort of thing that he wants to attain in the league. Let's say Washington wizard. Like, do you think he would want to go back to his hometown? No, you know what I mean, like do you not think at he'd all. want to play for Washington. They have a found, a fantastic foundation though. Bradley Beal and John Wall.
0: No, he's definitely coming to the Raptors next year. That's for sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I can see Drake
0: him signing up ready to go. Exactly. So <laughs> I can, see what about signing just a one-year contract? Like he's already on a one-year plus a one-year option right now, right? So he can just sign a, a one-year contract for however much money he needs to win another championship. And then, the only thing is, I wonder like how much like when he goes down in history, mm-hmm. are these two championships going to be just seen as normal championships, or they're going to be seen as ones where he just really had to go on another team to get them?
1: Well, and it's like Scottie Pippen calling him out on his dominance in general, right? With Steph. I think Steph is going to want to possibly put himself in a situation where he can proclaim that he is a dominant player in this league. No, With you know what? Because
2: as... before Durant, though, we were having this conversation. Who is the best player in the NBA? Is it Steph Curry? Right. Is it LeBron James? I think it's fair to say we're not even thinking of having that conversation anymore. No, of course not. You know, like, I, But I also don't think Steph Curry is the kind of guy that's going to you know, look at that sort of like, you know, wanting to be defined as the greatest, best player in the NBA. And, like, yeah, I think he's more of a team-oriented sort of guy. LeBron James is
0: easily the best player in the NBA Absolutely. right now. He blows even second place, I think, Kawhi Leonard out of the water. But just to go back quickly to your point, mm-hmm. I think one thing that, that could be done um, is a hard cap. Um, right now there's the luxury tax model, mm-hmm. so teams can just pay over the luxury tax. I think it's and 101
2: he, and 118 next year. I think. Right,
0: I and, what it is. I mean, I don't know if it's the reason why in hockey it works, but the hard cap seems to make it difficult for teams to really, GMs in general, to really even fluctuate that mm-hmm. much. and It's and get one super of the reasons teams, they right?
1: implemented it in hockey, they said, when Exactly they did it, right? So if
0: you take away that luxury tax sort of option, because it's kind of in the middle, right? It's in between hockey and baseball. Baseball, you can do kind of anything you want. Hockey's pretty restricted, and then they just kind of are in the middle. You have to pay a little extra. So I think if they went down to that hockey model, that's one way that I think would restrict GMs from, I think, trying to do the super team sort of thing.
2: Or maybe like an individual player analysis of like defining, like like putting a player in a certain category. Like you're a one superstar, two, three, four categories, hard caps based on player talent. I don't know who would judge the talent, though, but like something has to happen because like the strat-based issues in the league are just fucked like just completely
1: fucked like the regular season is just completely pointless at this point you know like just have know. a tournament championship tournament well in the end it's gonna come down to dollars and cents for the owners right so
0: well, that's why there's a regular season take right? everyone out
1: yeah. like, let's do a fantasy
2: draft like we're playing NBA 2K 17
0: if money didn't matter then yeah there's be no point of having a regular season we just have these awesome tournaments three times a year with the best players and the, <laughs> the teams and stuff like they'd be so there's honestly like I don't know. We uh, do
2: have that tournament and it's called the big three with Ice Cube, you know, with Alan Iverson. You know what I'm talking about.
0: I can't wait to see Allen Iverson play again. That's
2: gonna be amazing. There's some good matchups, some good teams in that league. It's,
0: it's just, gonna flop after <laughs> one <laughs> season.
2: I think Kenny Martin's participating. I think okay, I like I was reading this story this week. Uh you know like that old kind of gag where you fill like a fellow player's car with popcorn? Kenny Martin was having an interview on another podcast, and he was stating that if, like, J.R. Smith put popcorn in his car, and he almost murdered J.R. Smith, (laughs) he was screaming at the entire team, like, he was looking for his number, looking for his house, trying to find where he was. He was really about to murder J.R. Smith. I think Kenny Martin is, like, the Hall of Fame G, like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you, toughest guy in the NBA. Draymond Green would get smashed by Kenny Martin. He's the most terrifying guy in the league.
0: Yeah, I don't like that tattoo he had, though, how he changed it to the lips uh, at the end of his career. Instead of the crown,
1: you think he went soft? Yeah, he went soft.
2: <laughs> Kmart, you did not go soft. Please don't hear this and murder me. Um, so, moving on, we're talking about the super teams, having a conversation about the fairness of the game. But we also have complementary players. we need to be talking about LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, whatever. But we also have very, very valuable secondary players. Um, each team, you know what I mean? We're talking about the Clay Thompson's, the Kyrie Irving's, the Draymond Green's, the Kevin Love's of the world. What is their league-wide defined value? What I mean by league-wide defined value, let's say you replace Jimmy Butler with Clay Thompson, how successful would Chicago be? How do you categorize these, these guys on the hierarchy of who is the best at each position? What do you got?
0: So for me, I think if you're a superstar and you're on a good team, it only sort of elevates your stardom. And honestly, I think that Someone like Clay Thompson is a good example because if he was replaced by someone uh, or you replace him with Jimmy Butler or something like that, he wouldn't get the same attention that he does now, honestly. Um, The fact that he's on a superstar team, even even Curry, uh, other than those few players like Durant and LeBron who can kind of really change a team no matter what, um, those are the players that really sort of define it all, I think.
1: Yeah, and whatever team you're on, the best player on that team is a superstar to that fan base, but uh, the defined value of those secondary players is huge. I mean, they're going to make the difference of the style of play, as you alluded to, and they're going to step up and, and make plays when that superstar is being double teamed and, and that type of situation. We've seen it with Toronto, mm. even, and how we've struggled. It's It comes down to those secondary guys in crunch time. If you don't have it...
0: I think the best example is Kyrie Irving. If he's considered a secondary guy right now on Cleveland, then look how much he's sort of taken advantage of of LeBron coming over and coming home and taking advantage of it. His shoe is now selling like crazy. His endorsements, he's known as Mr. Clutch because he took the big shot and was the one who ended up hitting it. Like, that's someone who, think about Kyrie Irving before LeBron James came to Cleveland. He was a good player, but at the same time, LeBron coming there elevated him globally like he became a superstar that every single person knew and started to recognize for his true talents i think that's really what it is it makes you recognize and people start watching games that teams like lebron james are on yeah and
1: speaking of 2k he's the cover athlete next year exactly there you go
0: and technically he's a secondary star on that team because lebron's on it so i think that the only thing it does when you're on is sort of being on a good team is make is elevated because when it comes playoff time, if you're not in the playoffs and you're a superstar, you're not even talked about.
2: So, you know, if LeBron James, many Pete pundits are saying if LeBron James wins the NBA championship this year, in lieu of what he accomplished last year, he should be considered to be the greatest basketball player of all time, or at least in discussion with Michael Jordan. Do you think that's warranted? Do you think Mike LeBron James, regardless if he wins the championship or not, deserves to even be in the same
1: conversation with Michael Jordan? Personally, I think he already is. No matter what happens this finals, he is. But he is in the conversation. Yeah, he,
0: everybody he, talks about it already.
1: And just even the way he's come in as such a physical beast and all the things he does, I mean, he's such a freak. I mean, and he's won, made every... Player that he's with better, he's shown greatness, and like I said, I think he is going to try to cement it in this series as well. But either way, I think he's already in the conversation. That being said, when fans look back and a career is over, I do think we we value championships. It's always talked about. There's something to, to say about Jordan going and finishing like he did. Um, so I do think at the end of his career, we will define goat by championships they will matter.
0: I think the scariest part about LeBron is that honestly he's got potential still at his age. And that's where you see him this year playing almost the best basketball he's ever played. Uh, most players would say that anyways that are playing against him. Mm-hmm. And this guy could win. he's 33. He can keep winning. Imagine imagine he wins 3 more and I think that's where people who are right now saying Jordan's Jordan's number 1 no matter what like he'll never be surpassed. There's always that what if, and what if LeBron was to win three more.
2: And you ask a lot of people,
0: and they would say, like, okay, well, then we'll talk about it. But honestly, it's one of those things that's very, very likely to happen. LeBron most likely will win The answer can be
2: answered right now, but I think in a couple years from now, we should be having this conversation. You're absolutely right. LeBron James is in his 14th season. Michael Jordan played 15, and that's also counting the Washington Wizards years. LeBron James has not stepped off the pedal whatsoever, nor has he taken years off to play baseball. He's went to the finals literally every single year for the last six years and still shows up every single goddamn night and plays peak efficiency basketball. You know, I think LeBron James is not going to...
0: Except those nice rests.
2: Yeah. That's a whole different conversation. But I do I, I do agree with you, though. Like, I don't think we're going to see a decreased LeBron James in the next few years. I think, if anything, he does have more potential, and he could keep going, depending on what situation he's in. I, I, I The conversation should exist. I don't think we can answer it quite yet. I think it's an end-of-career sort of discussion. Exactly. But I think LeBron, if he kind of carries the momentum he's at right now, will be known as the greatest of all time. And I think it's fair for me to make that statement.
1: Yeah, but if we are talking about what ifs, and I don't believe this will happen. but it's Jordan also, will come
2: back out of retirement. <laughs> got three more championships. They'll clone him. They'll have a robot <laughs> version of Michael Jordan, a hologram version.
1: Well, and I mean, what if LeBron breaks down, right? He's a big dude, and he moves incredibly fast. And again, I don't think it will happen. And I think, on the other hand, it's the reason that the Raptors shouldn't tank. Is because a superstar can get injured any given season, and again, I mean, a big dude like that running around, going to the rack hard, playing with an edge, it could happen. He he goes down, and obviously, if we're speaking what if, that's going to hurt his career significantly.
0: So let's bank on torn MCL.
1: Raptors got to pray.
2: <laughs> no, do not say that. Even though <laughs> I'm a Raptors fan. So we've met, we've talked ad nauseum about the super teams. What are some up-and-coming organizations in the NBA that you think that do have a roster to potentially, you know, a, a one or two signs away from being a potential super team? You know, teams like the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, um, you know, even the Phoenix Suns, uh, Milwaukee Bucks, what have you.
1: Yeah, I think off the eye test, you got to go with Milwaukee. We've seen what Giannis can do. I mean, you need that type of freak talent in today's NBA hit on a on a superstar like that, up and coming, that's the guy that jumped out to me as a, as a premier player, and he's got some nice pieces around him too. So I, I see them really coming out as a potential super team in the future here.
0: See, for me, I guess, I'm trying to think, I guess it's easier if you pick a team in the East because then they just have to beat sort of LeBron. The West, you still have to beat San Antonio, Houston, Golden State, but I don't know. I still think that the way that Portland played at the end of last year with uh, with, Nurkic coming, with Nurkic coming on the team, mm-hmm. and then I love their guards, CJ and Damian Lillard are the best. So if you were to, say, add a real bona fide superstar at the small forward position there, who knows? They could be... They,
2: man, they, they are really locked into that Evan Turner contract, unfortunately.
0: I know. They have a lot of... Again, they, I think their payroll was like third highest this year or mm-hmm. something like that. They have a lot of money. But and they hope, got saved
2: by the gods because Char- they, uh, Memphis, whatever, paid more for Chandler Parsons on that contract. They wouldn't be yeah. screwed.
0: I also think Minnesota's another team that, uh, although they haven't really shown it, I I always have hope for Minnesota, that they're going to be good, I guess because Andrew Wiggins there. And they just still haven't really shown how good they could really be as a team. They haven't, again, like, I'm, I'm waiting really for them to get into the playoffs and actually start coming. Yeah. They have such a good team on paper, I find. And I hope the same thing doesn't happen to Philly. So if, I think that if any team's closer, that's why I don't want to say Philly here. I think Minnesota's closer than Philly is. They have the same kind of makeup of a team. So I would say they're a little bit closer than, than Philly is to being a superstar team. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, Milwaukee obviously is great, too.
2: I'm big on Phoenix. Um, If Phoenix somehow manages to get Josh Jackson at four this year, you're talking about an organization that has a young, up-and-coming point guard in Drew Blood. So you have one of the potentially most transcendent scorers of this upcoming generation in Devin Booker. What, 72 points? Or 68 points last year? I can't remember the exact number. You have just an athletic freak in Josh Jackson, who many people, like we were talking about earlier today, has drawn comparisons to Jimmy Butler. And you also have two young and -and up-and-coming, highly touted, highly drafted uh, Big men and Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender I think when it comes to filling out a roster I think Phoenix has a lot of great parts and I'm a huge Evan Booker fan um, I see a lot of Clay Thompson, maybe not as dependable defensively, but a little more uh, diverse in his repertoire offensively. Um, what free also,
0: agent would they get that would? Put I don't. Them I don't think.
2: I think that team doesn't necessarily need to sign anybody. I think it's one of those guys if they can get all those potential prospects and just you know build them together as one cohesive unit, they could evolve into a competitor. Like they have all the pieces. Like if they point get point Josh here? Jackson, huh? Who's the point guard? You can't underlook Drew Bledsoe, man. Drew Bledsoe has been injured, and he's been in weird situations when they've had three point guards. He hasn't getting the playing time he deserves. But Drew Bledsoe is a fantastic basketball player. Yeah, no, like he's an basketball. athletic specimen. he's a great defender, and he can score the basket as well. Maybe not the greatest outside shooter, but I, I, I got Phoenix up there as well. Um, so coming down to the NBA draft, uh, this isn't necessarily Greg's uh, area of expertise, hence why us three are having this conversation right now. Who are the biggest sleepers in the draft? You know, in the ten fifteen range, like just kind of post lottery selection, like guys that people think should take a gamble on, like someone like um Jean Gien, for example. Who do you got, Steve?
0: Did you take it well first of you taking Jean Gien alright? That's who I was gonna say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Half Asian. I'll think switch my pick, like, right? don't worry. Yeah, I mean I think he's he's down there, he's off the board a bit, but I mean I don't see him going 15 or above but I like Terrence Ferguson as a sleeper mm-hmm. in this draft. Not on from a college coming out of Australia. Talented guy, holding his game, but I think in today's NBA you might have to shoot for just a, a high talent. I think he's a guy who might be a sleeper in this draft. He's not going top 15. No, I I agree on that one. Who do you got other than Jean-Jean?
0: Um well, I like I think there's a chance that Laurie Markkinen slides, um, and I have him in my mock drafts pretty high, so I'm pretty high on Laurie Markkinen. I think that kind of player is perfect for the NBA these days, but I can see that kind of a player sliding as well down to like the 10 or 11 spot or something like that, but he's my he's, he's sort of my guy.
2: Well, being like the you know, the the first guy ever to really bring up the name Dwayne Bacon, uh, I, I think, no, I'm just joking. That's a little bit of an inside joke, Graffin. As he's a... not going
0: in the top 15, but the Raptors should 100%. Hundred
2: percent. Yeah, you know what? This guy might drop drop a bit, but I'm also really big on TJ Leaf. I don't think he's ever going to evolve into a dominant four, but he's a great guy to bring off the bench, and he's not that much of a liability if you kind of you know pair him with more of a dominant low post presence. Um, I just I like I like his I like his play, and fuck LeVar Ball, man. Like Aren't I was you hating concerned on TJ about Newf. LeVar
0: Ball said about him though. Like his his analysis of TJ Leaf, one of the white guys.
2: Am I concerned about what LaVarball Ball said? Is that what you just said to me? He's so strategic. He's a mastermind of basketball. That guy is a god when it comes... Like, no, no. He Act- just has really solid semen and he can build <laughs> fucking great, fantastic basketball players. That's a really gross topic. <laughs> <laughs> On LeVar Ball's semen podcast, um, who do you think the Raptors should draft? Uh, what, 23, 22? Dwayne Bacon.
0: Dwayne Bacon. Yeah. Dwayne Bacon. Running next,
2: off the coattails. The, the next the Michael Jordan. No, kidding. Um,
0: the next Michael. The self-proclaimed, the self-proclaimed next Michael Jordan. Dwayne Bacon Michael said Jordan. that.
2: Ring the alarms. That is Dion Waiter's r- ridiculous overconfidence, irrational confidence call right there. Jesus Christ.
0: You know, that's the kind of player you take if you're just kind of going for hitting for the stars, I guess. I think... LeBron, um, so-
2: you're shit. Give me the fucking basketball. I'm gonna take it to the goddamn hole right now. Like he's gonna get drafted later. The Raptors take him or not. Like, do you think he has the sort of personality to gel with an experienced veteran group?
0: No, I think that he'd be one of those players who comes in and sort of would feed off of DeMar or something like that. Kind of like learn his lesson in the NBA. Yeah. He wouldn't be as good as he is, so right away he'd sort of learn his place. He's one of those players who thinks he's fantastic, but I want that. I want a player s- who thinks he's good, not a player who thinks he's, you know, he thinks he's all right or hopes he does well in the NBA. I want a player thinking they're Michael Jordan.
2: Positionally and sort of skill set-wise, do you think he's sort of redundant with a guy like Norman Powell?
0: Yes, 100%. And uh, even again, like, even kind of like almost like a DeMar yeah, – but- Right, but how
2: would we fit him in? Like, how would we give him PT? Like, where he would he fit schematically on the organization if we did draft him? Directly
0: into the D-League.
2: Directly and, into the D-League? Yeah, yeah. Well, I
0: think the one thing the Raptors were missing for so long was actually a good D-League team that they can develop players in and actually Champions, feel, baby. feel confident in League sending teams. players down to. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that finally they, they have that now with the 905, and players are growing. So, yeah, I don't think a, a season down there would be at all harmful because who knows what's going to happen this year with the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Norman Powell and DeMar DeRozan are here now, but all of a sudden if DeMar were to leave or, or Powell were to leave, then there's a spot right open for him. So who knows what
1: happens. And, I mean, you draft talent, half the time That's those pieces, you develop them and you're able to make a move for that piece that might put you over the top. And the Raptors are arguably – At that stage, if we keep the team together, we're looking to move. we got a lot of young guys, and I think the move to put us over the top, you need those prospects to move. So if you're able to develop them into something of value, you go make that talent draft – it's not a bad decision. You draft for
2: the highest ceiling, you stash him in the D-League. We have a team playing, what, out of Mississauga? Was it Mississauga or Markham? I can't remember. Mississauga. 905. Yeah, Mississauga. yeah, anyway, so, yeah, and you, you, they're so close to proximity to the professional team. You know, we have scouts. Even Messiah Jerry can head down and check out a 905 game and just sort of scout his talent. Yep. It's great. It's a great system we have. You right know now.
0: who else I love for the Raptors, though, if we weren't to get Dwayne Bacon? Sort Swanigan? Of
2: right. Yes, Caleb Swanigan.
0: He had such a good tournament, and I think a player that, Again, I think he's perfect for this sort of NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's already he has the frame already for the NBA, and everybody thinks, oh, he's you know he's not gonna it's not gonna work, I guess, or that's what that's why he's so low. They have him, I think, in most mock drafts in the second round. Well,
2: that's a great point. There's but he so many be that big guys. of a reach. There's so many guys in the second it's round, a, like blue chip draft. guys in the second round. You know, like people look at the Kyle Korver trade and kind of shit on it a bit, but you know. Atlanta was able to get two second round picks in a draft. Just you know, recognized for its depth. You know, getting two guys in the second is massive. And the Raptors, like, I don't know what they can possibly do. Like, maybe they can trade down from first and get two seconds. Is so that, here's like, a qu- here's that a question. You? Do you?
0: So looking down in the draft, would you trade the Raptors' twenty third pick to something like a team that I guess would want sort of to take a little bit of reach, like Houston or something like that? Houston has two picks, forty three and forty five, in the uh, in the second round. Would you trade? our first round pick for those
2: picks I think it depends on what happens in the draft um, if it's sort of I wouldn't say barren of talent but there isn't guys that really you know we need to grab at 23 absolutely that would make sense you know what I mean because right. I think you know the pick would like I think from 23 to 45 I think you could like the guy picked at 23rd could be substantially sure than the guy picked at 45 which I'm trying to get at exactly um, and it's, then you get yeah, two it's chances g- it's, it's a good gamble I, I, I don't mind it All right, moving back down to our last topic of the day, more speculation. Uh, So we have a shitload of free agents coming up in the offseason. Obviously, we've talked about Kevin Durant a bit and Steph Curry. Uh, Realistically, they might go back to Golden State with Kevin Durant stating that he would re-sign with Golden State and the Chief, even though I mentioned earlier that he might sign with Washington. Steph Curry 100% is going back to Golden State Warriors. Is that a fair assessment to make us?
0: Yes, I guess, but I don't know. We'll see. Steve, what do you think? I I'm not convinced that Steph Curry is going to go back. I think Golden State wants to keep him as much as possible because they think he's sort of the the answer to it all, mm-hmm. but uh he can go back to Charlotte. I could see that happening,
1: going home. I mean, as a fan at this point and what we're talking about, I think I'd like to see him go somewhere else. I think it it would be exciting for the league at this point to go and see what he can do on another team and just blow
0: Golden State up. Yeah.
1: Oh, Golden State up! Do it! <laughs> yeah. They're too
2: good. All right, so a little bit of a cryptic message today of Gordon Hayward stating that, what, Golden State Warriors in five?
0: Yeah, I think he, well, he said, what, four or five? can't remember. Yeah, I think he said yeah. four or five. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, what, is, what does that mean?
2: Uh, I think he, uh, I think he kind of recognizes that, like, this is crazy to say, but I think he recognizes, like, the Utah Jazz are not anytime soon going to be able to compete with the Golden State Warriors and I think he's thinking that if he goes to Boston Celtics Boston getting the number one overall pick which most likely would be Markel Fultz you know having Isaiah Thomas having a pre-established Al Horford having a lot of depth off the bench a lot of up-and-coming prospects I think Gordon Hayward is thinking about the greener pastures in the Eastern Conference
0: listen Gordon Hayward's thinking about the Toronto Raptors okay Okay. (laughs) Gordon Hayward would be such a good player if he were to come here so yeah I forget about Kyle Lowry. Let's focus on the future. Let's yeah, hit, while we're we'll at it, though, San we Antonio yeah, but and we can get
2: Gordon Hayward. Yeah, but if we get Gordon Hayward, man, we might as well get Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? Let's <laughs> make our team look a little bit better, you
1: know, like overall. You right. don't think it's possible? No, I'd love him on the Raptors, no. but I mean, it's hard to it's hard to admit it, but he'd look good in that green. Yeah, I can, like
2: he just looks like the reincarnation of John <laughs> Havlicek. Yeah. All right, going down the list, Blake Griffin player option, Chris Paul player option. Do they re-up with the Los Angeles Clippers and continue continue this years and years and years of mediocrity? Or do they bl- blow up the team and does Blake go one way? Does Chris Paul go to San Antonio? What do you got for Blake Griffin?
0: I don't think that they like each other. I don't know. I feel like, yeah. I mean, the the team is just always kind of there, but always so far away at Mm -hmm. the same time, that I could see someone like Chris Paul just being sick of it. Like, that's a guy that wants to to win a championship. It feels
1: like they've fallen further from the discussion too, than before, in my opinion. And I think it's inevitable they are going to split up.
0: Well, Blake's got all these injuries too, so maybe the Clippers don't even want Blake, and then again, there's other teams that would take a chance, but he's going to ask for a shit. Fucking Doc Rivers,
2: he they hand him way too much power. Why the fuck is he giving his son that money? I contract.
0: Hate. I think he's one of the more overrated coaches in the league.
2: He is the most overrated coach in the fucking NBA. I get, I can't stand that guy. Like I'm 100 percent behind Glenn Big. So you, Davis. yeah,
0: you support uh, Glenn Perkins then? Glenn off. Davis, Fu- the Glenn Davis, debate.
2: Yeah.
1: Glenn Perkins, yeah, Glenn.
2: All right, guys. Well, we are going to finish off the speculation next week with the return of Greg Yoroshadis. Hopefully he makes it back from Thunder Bay. That's where bears are, I think. So watch out for bears. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Steve, happy birthday, my friend. Thank you very much for helping us out today. And Grafen, have a fantastic uh, half-Asian-German Christmas. It's coming up very soon for you. Thank you very much, guys. Enjoy it.